0: Father God, we come before you this morning to worship in your presence and to welcome you here. We look forward to what you're going to do today. I thank you that you are a wonderful Father, that you take care of us even to the smallest details of our life, Father. I ask you to bless all those people who can't be with us today, everybody who's watching this morning. Father, I ask you to continue to heal people who are sick and recovering. And I ask you to bless this time this morning. Bless the word and the music in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Every rising sun you paint the sky with light With the glory and the splendor of your name Before the world was born you were on your throne There is no one like God alone. Adam, Nine, Elohim. My God, the great I am. King of heaven, son of man, the lion. Come come and make all things new, all things new, all things new, all things new, all things things Let my soul live so I can praise Let my tongue sing Your words. Let my soul live so I can praise You. Let my tongue sing Your words. Like sheep I've gone astray. Teach me Your way, oh my Lord. Like sheep I've gone astray Teach me your ways, oh my Lord Give me understanding, Father Hear the prayer of my heart When I'm lost, come and find Prayer of my heart. When I'm lost, come and find me, Father. So we won't be apart. Let my cry come before You, O Lord. Deliver me according to Your word. Let my cry come before You.
0: God's goodness, it really would take your breath away. If we began to see half of what God has done, we would be so crazy excited that we couldn't contain ourselves. God is so good. I want to read you a passage of scripture out of Acts 4, and, uh, you know, the background is just real simple. Things were happening. God was moving. Pentecost was just over. People were being healed, and all the religious people were freaking out. And they called in Peter and his buddies and said, Look, you guys can't keep doing this. So, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that their chief priests and elders had said to them. And so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord look on their threats grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through your name through the name of your holy servant jesus when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken they were all filled with the holy spirit and they spoke the word of god with boldness the so lord this morning we're in a situation in this nation that's not that much different than, than this passage of Scripture we just read, Lord. There are, there are things going on that would hinder, things going on that seem wrong, things going on that frustrate us and make us anxious and even fearful. But Lord, today, today, we as your people, we choose put our eyes on you and to fix our eyes and our hope in you, Lord. We are not going to fix our hope on a man. We're not going to fix our hope on a system. We're going to fix our hope on you, our Redeemer. And so, Lord, today we choose to worship you. We choose to lift you up and exalt you. And, Lord, I pray that you would fill this place with your spirit, with your presence, that, that we would be filled and refreshed and that we would go out of here with boldness to preach and teach and proclaim the truth of your love to this world, that as we do that, Lord, you would cause us to rise up and be men and women of faith and men and women who will not uh, be distracted by the cares of this life, men and women who will not give in to fear or doubt. We would rise up and be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, I thank you that we will be victorious in you. We are victorious in you. Help us, Lord God, to learn to walk that out. And if it means that there's going to be changes for the bad, then, Lord, help us to get our eyes on you and to get our minds right and to pray for boldness that we preach and teach the love of Jesus. And if it means that things don't go our way, then help us to get over it and be walking in peace and love and forgiveness. Lord, I don't want to be guilty of any bitterness or anger. I want to be guilty of love and mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord God, heal our hearts. Heal our hearts and minds this morning as we worship you, Lord. Stir our hearts and change us so that we would learn to love and forgive. Be merciful like you are, Father. You are merciful, and you called us to be filled with mercy, too. So, Lord, this morning as we worship you, change us in your presence, Lord. Move and speak to us. Touch us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
1: Bring out the blood and open the gate My God is stronger The trouble will come won't be afraid My God is stronger My God is stronger yes. When I'm in, you fill my cup You make wine out of the water Everything. unending love. You came to save your son and daughter. Lord, rise quickly, but you are with me. So bring on the wind and bring on the waves. My God is strong Bring on the blood and open the gates. My God is stronger, trouble will come, won't be afraid. My God is stronger, my God is stronger, it's over, cause he's overcome, it's over, cause he's overcome, overcome. greater is he that's in me, greater is he that's in me. Greater is he that sees, greater is he that sees. So bring on the wind and bring on the waves. My God is stronger. Bring on the flood and open the gates. My God is stronger. Trouble will come and won't be afraid. My God is stronger. My God is stronger. So bring on the wind, bring on the wave. My God is stronger. Bring on the flood, open the gate. My God is stronger. Trouble will come, won't be afraid. My God is stronger. 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 Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like
0: Lord, in these coming days, teach, teach us to have a song that rises to you, Lord. All the trials and the struggles that we are facing as a nation, Lord, teach us to have a song that rises to you. Yes. Every day, Lord, that we don't become overwhelmed with evil, but we would begin to overwhelm evil with good, Lord. Yes, that we would let your word, the truth of your word, begin to rise up in us that your righteousness will begin to, to clothe us in ways like we've never seen before, Lord, and that we would be protected and safe and that we would be bold, and that we would be upright in all of our words and all of our thoughts and all of our actions, Lord, that we would be like you, Lord Jesus, that we would love and we would forgive, we'd walk in humility and we would be servants, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, That when everything seems to be falling apart. You are there. You are our rock. You are there, the one that we can fall on, and you'll catch us and you'll preserve us and you'll sustain us, Lord. And I thank you that you have promised that and you have fulfilled it over and over and over again in our lives. We know it's true. You don't ever fail us. You don't ever leave us. You don't ever forsake us. But, Lord, you are there. In every situation, you are there, Lord. I thank you that you hold us in your hands and sustain us, Lord, by your great grace. And you pour out your goodness and your favor and your blessing in our lives. And we don't always see it, and I repent, Lord, that I don't always see it, but, but I know that you are always there, and your goodness is always abounding towards me, even when I don't see it. So open my eyes, Lord. Let me begin to see in new ways how you are blessing me and watching over me. I thank you, Lord, that 48 years ago I gave my life to you. And I've never regretted it one minute. You changed me, Lord. And I still haven't forgotten what it felt like. That burden of sin and guilt and shame was ripped off of me and I was free. Lord, I don't ever want to forget that. Stir us and change us today, Lord, in your presence. We need you, Lord. It's more of you. Lord, we do ask for our nation that you would heal us, Lord, that you'd forgive us. We have turned away from the living God and we have enacted laws and enshrined things and that are just abominations in your side, Lord. Forgive us. Turn our hearts, Lord. Cause a spirit of repentance to fall on us as a nation that we would turn. We would once again seek you as a living God, that we would base our laws and our our moral and ethical values and everything that we teach and speak and believe and practice, it would be focused on you and the truth of your word, Lord. Oh, Lord, we need you. We need you to bring healing and forgiveness, Lord, that, that all division and strife would just begin to go away, Lord, as we as your people, the body of Christ, lead the way in loving and serving with humility. Lord, let us do that as an example to the world. They won't understand it, but they will see it and they will know that it, is, that it is true and that it is right and that it is appealing to walk in love and forgiveness. So Lord, move in us, stir us and change us, Lord. These coming days, I pray no matter what happens, no matter what happens, Lord, and we're still praying and believing for justice to be done. We're praying and believing for the truth to come out. We're praying and believing for everything to be resolved according to your plan and purpose, Lord. That may not be according to our plan and purpose, but it won't, we want it to be according to your plan and purpose. And Lord, when you reveal all the truth and when all the corruption and things are exposed, Lord, I pray that you would not only bring those who are guilty to justice and cause them to be exposed but I also pray that you'd forgive them, Lord, that you would extend your mercy and grace to them. Save them and turn their hearts, Lord. Turn the heart of this nation. And let your people be the first to forgive and to be merciful and compassionate because we were lost once and we were sinners once and we're still not perfect, Lord, and so we need you as more and more of you, Lord. And I pray that when all the dust settles, that we would be leaders In peace and righteousness and that we would have hope and joy that we wouldn't be grumbling and complaining and and uh, causing division and strife but we would be peacemakers Lord we want to be your sons and daughters blessed are the peacemakers Lord and we want to be blessed we want to be peacemakers we want to be kingdom people You are the king, the prince of peace. And in your kingdom, there will be no end to your reign of peace. And so, Lord, let us begin to walk in that right now as your people, that we would be examples of peace in this lost and dying world, Lord. We have the hope. We have the answer. And it's Christ in us. Let us walk that with boldness the authority and power of the kingdom, Lord. Let signs and wonders begin to follow us and everywhere, everything that we do, everywhere we go, all the people we speak to and touch, let miracles and signs and wonders begin to follow us because we are your followers. And that's what you told us to do. Go, preach the gospel. You said all authority, heaven and earth is with us as we go and you'll never leave us or forsake us. And so Lord, help us to get about that business of going. Get about that business of of doing and being the people that you've called us to be. People that are kingdom oriented, eternally minded and victorious in our walk, Lord. We want to be people of love, righteousness, gentleness, kindness, and goodness, Lord. Let your fruit begin to fill us in new ways. I thank you, Lord, that you are here this morning. You are here to speak life into us. You're here to pour your spirit out and to refresh us, to stir us, to call us into new, deeper walks. Lord, you're calling us deeper. You're calling us deeper and deeper and deeper, Lord, to help us to be willing and obedient to say, Yes, I hear the call. Yes, I choose. Today, I choose to give my yes to you. I will say yes today. I will go deeper I will spend more time seeking you, Lord, so that I may know you, know your presence, know your heart, know your ways, Lord. And if we know you, then we'll begin to see people differently too. We'll begin to hear people differently. We'll begin to respond differently to people because we'll have your heart, Lord. That's my prayer. Change me so that I'm like you, Father. I want to be like you. So, Lord, speak to us this morning. Speak to us, Lord, that we would hear your voice clearly. We would hear the words that we need to hear to bring hope and enthusiasm and encouragement to our lives, Lord, that that we would have peace, joy, and we wouldn't be fearful or anxious or doubting, but we'd be filled with hope. That is... The truth of the gospel, the good news, hope, is in you, Lord Jesus. And I thank you. The truth is in you, Lord Jesus. And the way is in you, Lord Jesus. There is a way that seems right to us, but, Lord, we want to get in the way, the way that you are. We want to walk with you hand in hand, step by step, as you walk with us and lead us every day, Lord. Thank you for that. Continue to speak to us Lord stir us today open your word to us Lord that, that we would have new insights into who you are and who we are in you and I thank you for that in Jesus name amen amen you can be seated thank you guys ah, praise the Lord good to see all your Smiling faces this morning. You're gradually coming back, and uh, that's good. Although, I want to encourage you that uh, as you come back to be careful because we are still having you know, some people exposed and having COVID. And so far, everybody's recovered. Everybody's good. But we have had some cases, and I don't think anybody that's had it would encourage you to get it. I think everybody would rather just stay healthy and whole. So let's be careful, respect one another. And uh, other than that, I'm really blessed to see you guys. It's so much better to to have a bunch of people here live and in person than just talking to an empty auditorium. Although the presence of the Lord is uh, not restricted by any of that. The power of God is not restricted by any of that. But... uh, I like it better when you're here. Like to see your your smi- your smiles and your responses. Sometimes your frowns, you know, whatever it might be. Okay, so uh, we're we're still in Colossians one, and uh, I think I think I really like this because uh, I am learning so much. Uh, the Lord is speaking to me through these various. Uh, teachings that we're doing and i I believe that that's what's happening with you as well but so we're going to read colossians 1 verses 20 through 23 actually we're kind of picking up on the last part of uh, verse 19 for it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away From the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So, last week we talked about, uh, we kind of ended up with that word preeminence. And I just wanted to go back to that just briefly, because that means that, that Jesus Christ is... He is above all he is supreme in every way and in our lives he wants us to see him that way so that we would live and act and do everything that we do on a daily basis with the knowledge and not just not just say yeah yeah but I mean I mean we act like we believe that he really is the preeminent one that he is supreme that he rules and reigns over every situation And if you would live your life with that knowledge as a, not just a knowledge, but like a driving force that every day, all day long, you're thinking, man, I'm serving the living God and he is above all principalities and power. He's above everything else and nothing can stop him. Nothing can overthrow his kingdom and nothing can stop me because I'm a child of the king. If you begin to live your life that way with that knowledge, your basic way of looking at life, you're going to be more victorious. If you go around every day just thinking, well, it's just another day, another day of misery, another day of doom and gloom, another day of all these problems, and, you know, I've got the same stuff it's going to keep happening to me. It's always happened. I'm always going to be that way. Blah, 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 blah. If you talk about all the bad stuff, guess what? That's what you're going to be thinking about. What you need to be doing is talking about how good God is and thinking about how great God is, and then you won't be thinking about how bad all those little problems are that you have in your life from time to time. Or maybe they go on all the time. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't change who God is. If we get excited about who God is, all those circumstances in life really won't affect us in the same way. If you've learned that, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't learned it, you're probably saying, yeah, right. Well, trust me, it's possible because I've walked through some things that were pretty unpleasant, and I have learned that God can give you peace and joy and hope and love in the what I would consider some of the very absolute worst possible circumstances that you could go through. God can carry you through all that. And you don't just survive it, but you come through winning and victorious. He is the preeminent one. And it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. That word it pleased means to delight, to take a high degree of pleasure or mental satisfaction in. Please the Father to make all of his fullness dwell in Christ. And, and we should be pleased as well. We should be excited about who Jesus is and the fact that he lives in us if we are believers. That is what we ought to be excited about, the fact that he's in us, Christ in us. That is the hope of glory. <clears throat> in all the fullness, that is the completeness The state of having every necessary or normal part or component or step. Pretty much everything. Every part, every piece, everything that might be missing or broken, all those parts and pieces all come together and it creates this fullness, this completeness, everything. That which fills. It pleased the Father that in Him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. And this should dwell means to inhabit or live in, or be an inhabitant of. So you think about that, these last two words, both of them, they have the element that that God is putting the fullness in Him and making Him a place where He dwells. But He's also, He's saying, we can have fullness and we can have a place to dwell as well. The fullness of God is available to us as we walk in Christ because it's Christ in us. He is the head and we are the body. So as we as the body of Christ begin to walk in in his presence, walk in that fullness and we get closer to him, and we become more familiar with Him, and we begin to understand His heart more, we begin to understand His ways better, and we begin to act and react and live our lives in a way that reflects His ways, then we, as a corporate group, as a body, we have more of God's presence and more of God's knowledge and power and wisdom among us because we're together. And so we as a body can experience more of god's goodness and grace than we can as an individual at least in theory i mean i i don't want to make it sound like you can't on your own but on the other hand it's really good and really easy when we're together when we come together and worship the spirit of the lord comes and just fills this place and the first thing you know people are beginning to read a scripture or, or share an encouraging word or or after the service they're saying hey you know i was thinking about this and they share something with you that is how the lord works in the body Because we together have more than we do as individuals. Because we all know in part, we see in part, we understand in part. But when we're together, all those parts come together and make a bigger whole than what we have as individuals. So, it pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself that word to reconcile it's a little different sense than the word uh reconcile that we talked about a, a week or so ago this has more of a sense of emphasizing the restoration of a previously harmonious relationship that's been that's been messed up it's like a, a bringing back, a reconciling back to something, a restoring of something that was, that was great at one point, but it got messed up. So Jesus has reconciled us. And, you know, and I've, I've preached and taught about this, but, you know, the, the idea of Adam and Eve in the garden, they were, they were created in perfection, and they had this relationship that was perfect with the Father, they walked with him they talked with him and we we lost all of that in the fall and yet in Christ God is reconciling all of us back to a place that's closer to that original created being that God made Adam and Eve they were perfection they weren't sick they weren't dying they weren't miserable they weren't complaining they weren't uh, they weren't tired. They weren't hungry. They weren't crying. They weren't doing any of the things that we all do and the things that make us unhappy. They were walking with God. It doesn't get any better than that. And I believe that's what this means. When Christ did what he did on the cross and he reconciled us back to God. He is beginning to restore right here and now that relationship where our souls and our spirits can be back in communion and fellowship with the Father like Adam and Eve were. It's not going to be perfect, but he is reconciling us back. It is taking us back to a former state. It doesn't just mean that you're forgiven. I mean, it goes beyond that. that. See, that's part of our problem. We look at our relationship with the Lord and all we see is that we've been forgiven, that we've been made right, and we're on our way to heaven. But it goes way beyond that because he wants us to understand that not only have we have been forgiven, but we've been given freedom to walk in victory from this time forward. We don't have to keep being the same old person every day groveling and begging for forgiveness for the same sins. He's given us power over sin. We have the opportunity to live victoriously. Sin will not have dominion over you anymore because Jesus broke that. When he came out of the grave, he broke all of sin's power. He broke all the devil's power and he put him under his feet. And we need to learn to walk in that. In him, all the fullness dwells and he has reconciled all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven there's not anything that he hasn't reconciled in the spiritual realm. He's fixed it all. He's made it all right. Even, even the earth, even though right now we see problems, we see fallen world problems, you know, whether or not you buy into it, global warming, climate change, any of those kind of things that people talk about. I mean, there, there are things that are not right about the earth because of sin. But he is reconciling all those things. And there's going to come a time when it will not only be, it will be partially and temporarily fixed, but it's going to be permanently fixed, and we will not have any more sin. We won't have any more pain or sorrow or suffering, no more tears, because he's going to wipe away all the tears from your eyes, and it's all going to be good. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and it's all going to be eternal glory, and there will not be any more brokenness. There is coming a day, and that is something we can look forward to. And so when your situations are challenging and your life is grievous, get your eyes off of that temporal, temporary stuff, and begin to think about, I've got an eternity waiting for me, and it is so much better than anything we could experience here. We just need to get excited about that and begin to focus on that instead of the things that are happening now. So he's made peace, having made peace, having made peace, he has ended the hostilities. You probably didn't think you were hostile, but before you knew Jesus, there was a hostility between you and the Father. You were enemies with God. But he has made peace. He's ended the hostilities. And I'm so glad that it's, it's, it's both sides. Because the hostility that we had towards him is healed and gone. So now we don't, we don't have to live our lives in rebellion and saying, I want to do it my way. You know, I love babies, but that's one of the things that just drives me crazy. All by myself. They want to do it their way. No, all by myself. You know, let me help you that. No, all by myself. Well, that's what we said to God. All by myself. But he has ended that hostility. So now we're not like that little baby shouting back at the creator of the universe saying all by myself. Now we're, we're saying, Lord, show me the way. Let me walk with you. Let me walk in your goodness and glory. Let me experience you. All the fullness dwells in you. And I want to I experience that. I want to know you like that. And when we begin to respond that way to him, he doesn't have any reason to be hostile towards us. And he never, he never really was except that there was a sin problem that separated us. And when he removed that sin, Jesus made that new and living way that we can come right in the very presence of God. The veil of the curtain in the temple was torn from from the top to the bottom. In Hebrews, it says that that new and living way was through the veil. It was his flesh. Jesus Christ, from the beginning, he was from the foundation of the world, the lamb that was slain. And all those years in the old covenant, when they were sacrificing animals and the blood that they used to to have covering for their sins. All that time, it was just waiting for the moment that the, the blood and the body of Christ were to be sacrificed so that that was going to be a permanent, final solution. His flesh is what created that opportunity where we can come right into the very presence of God. and It took away the veil. And also, it takes away the veil that's over our eyes, too. I want to tell you, you don't have to walk around in blindness anymore, either. You can walk around seeing the truth, seeing the the truth of who Jesus is, who the Father is, and you can also see the truth about who you are. That's really important. We need to see ourselves. We need to see ourselves the way that we were, the way that we are, and the way that we are going to be. And when we see ourselves that way, it'll do a couple of things. It'll get you excited about the change that's happened, and it'll give you hope for the change that's going to happen, and it'll give you a reason to keep pursuing God and to keep your eyes fixed on Him. We see God, but we need to see ourselves too because the Lord has done really wonderful things in our lives. Some of us, I mean, it's like night and day difference. Uh, and I, that's one of the things I enjoy about uh, teaching and, and preaching and, and ministering to people is seeing people change right before your eyes. You know, they're just, they're just changing. Sometimes, you know, I, I see it when I'm teaching or preaching and you just see someone, it's like these light bulb moment, they're, they're getting it, you know. And a big smile breaks over their face and you can just see that God has set them free of something. That's very rewarding. And one of the, that's one of the blessings of being a pastor is getting to see people grow and change and new people coming in and, and being loved. And, you know, old people, they're, they're maybe they're moving on or leaving for various reasons. We just bless them and let them go. And, and, you know, we enjoy all of it because we don't control any of it. These are just, it's all temporary. Every one of you guys, you know, you're temporary. Sorry, you're part timers, you know? I mean, <laughs> you're short timers. We all are. But, but that's not something that we should fear or be, or be anxious about. We just need to learn to have a loose grip on everything in this, in this life because you can't take anything with you and you can't change anything in eternity. You can, you can change stuff right now. And right now, we need to be invested in the kingdom. We need to be about the Father's business like Jesus was. So he made peace through the blood of his cross. Now this blood, it's a little different word than we talked about a a week or so ago. This is more like life blood. The blood of a person is considered as a seed of vitality. And if it's shed, it causes blood guilt. That's why, that's why God is so offended by murder. Because The life of the flesh is in the blood, and if you take someone's life, you're you're doing it by blood guilt, and that is offensive to God because the blood is meant to bring life, not death. So this blood guilt, sometimes it refers to a whole person. And so if you offend people, or if you do things that hurt people, you could be caught, uh, guilty of some blood guilt. That's why we need to always be careful about forgiveness and, and offenses. And it's impossible, that, but the offenses will come. That's what Jesus said. I mean, you are going to offend people. Sorry, if you don't think that's possible, you're mistaken. And you probably, some of you may think, oh, well, you've never offended me. Well, I will probably. Uh, because I've, I'm human, and if I'm a human, I am capable of offending you. And the truth is, you know, offenses can be real, or they can be imagined, really. I mean, you could hear me say something, and in your mind, you think, wow, he just said that, that you know, it's, you talk bad about me. And maybe I wasn't even thinking anything like you're thinking. But to you, it's real because that's the way you perceived it. That's the way you received it. And once, once you receive an offense, it's a problem. And it really doesn't matter if it's real or perceived, because either way, it's real to you. And so we need to always be sensitive to that sort of thing. Searching our hearts. You know, that's the way I pray every day. Lord, show me. You know, Show me things in my life, things that, I've, things that I've done or said, ways I may have offended people. Uh, and I'm, I'm always looking for areas that I need to repent or, or uh, ask forgiveness for, or, or, you know, every now and then it, co- it occurs to me that I may have said something back, you know, several weeks ago or months ago, and, and I, I, I go back and say, hey, you know, I said something today, and I, I really, I didn't mean anything by that, and I, you know, I want to make it right. I want to make sure that there's not some offense there, um. It's it's one thing to do that among believers. It's a little, it's really weird to do that with unbelievers. Uh, I had an experience like that. I went to a, an, a business associate, and we had had this conversation, and he he said some things to me, and I I said some things. I wasn't I wasn't saying anything ugly to him, but I, I basically said I I don't know really what you're talking about, and. Uh, it really bothered me because I didn't like it, the fact that someone was maybe thinking that I was lying or that I was not being honest. And so it was about a month later, I finally, it occurred to me, all, all that had happened. You know, I was praying one day, and it's like, ah, oh, I know now what happened, and I know, I know everything. Uh, so I called the guy, and, uh, and I apologized, asked him to forgive me, and he said, wow. He said, that was like a month ago. You're still thinking about that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he—he he was kind of like, man, I can't believe. It. He said, I forgot all about that. You know, the day we talked, I didn't think any more about it. I said, well, it, it really—it bothered me. And, uh, but that's the way we—we we ought to be thinking about offenses and possible things that that we've done. We ought to be thinking about areas of our life that God wants to change. And we've all got a lot of areas that need to be changed. Amen. Even Paul, you know, he said, he said, I'm the chiefest of sinners, you know, and here's the guy that, uh, you know, we consider to be one of the greatest Christians of all time, and he was acknowledging that he was still a chief sinner. So I think we all need to be looking at our lives and looking at, at the things that we do and have done and always be trying to seek peace, to be reconciled fully. I think there's something to be said for, you know, the the basic prayer when you come to Jesus and say, Forgive me and come live in my heart, I mean that that covers that covers everything. But then there's also a point about identifying specific things so that you can really be forgiven and healed and you can repent from them. And I think we need to we need to be aware of that. Because if you look back at the old covenant, they had this This great system of uh, sacrifices that they did, and there were all different kinds of sacrifices. There were offerings, and then there were sacrifices. There was a sacrifice for the whole nation once a year, the Day of Atonement, which would be comparable to us, you know, when we come to the altar the first time and give our lives to Jesus. But then there were also sacrifices that you did when you sin, you know, you realize it comes to your mind, and it's like, oh, I sin, so you go and you, and you give a sacrifice, and then there were times where there was a sacrifice that was just, it was called the the, the sacrifice for innocent sins, you know, I don't even know that I did it, but, I, but I'm pretty sure I've probably done something, and so you, you give a sacrifice for it, so there were all different levels of that, you know, there was a trespass, there was a sin offering, they had all these different offerings, and they were very specific for different things, and and I'm, I'm convinced that God is very thorough. He doesn't do or say or teach us things that are not relevant. He wants us to understand. And I think the Israelites, even after the Day of Atonement, they were still daily supposed to be searching their hearts and making atonement by sacrifices. And we, even when we come and accept Jesus, we need to daily and regularly be searching ourselves to to try to make sure we're making everything right. And I'm not saying it did not have anything to do with your salvation. It didn't have anything to do with Israel's salvation. The Day of Atonement provided for them. But they kept their relationship with the Lord pure and right by their daily consecration, their daily reestablishing of the relationship. And that's what we need to do. If you want to walk with the Lord and experience His fullness and His blessing, then you need to be... You know, talking to him daily and submitting yourself to him daily and saying, Lord, show me. Show me stuff that I need to, I need to change, things in my life that are, that are not pleasing to you. So he did all this through the blood of his cross. He gave his entire being, his very lifeblood, on the cross so that we could have peace with God. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled. Once we were all alienated. Once means formerly, at a previous time. Once we were all alienated from God. At a previous time, formerly. Um, some people will say in a, in a former life or, or you know, years ago, this happened to me or I was this way. Once, we were all alienated from God. Once, we were, we were separated from Him. In a former time, we were all separated from Him. And alienated means to be considered an alien, to be or become considered foreign, and consequently separated from another country or citizenry. estranged, to be shut out from one's fellowship and intimacy. So, if you're alienated from your spouse, you're probably not gonna be uh, holding hands and uh, whispering sweet nothings. You're not going to be very intimate if you're alienated. But neither could you be that way with the Father when you're alienated from Him because of your sins and trespasses. But Jesus, through His blood and through the cross, made peace so that we're not hostile, and he is not hostile. We have peace. The hostilities have ended, and now we're not separated. We're not alienated, but we can be back in fellowship and back to that intimacy with the Father like Adam and and Eve had in the garden where they just daily they walked with him, they talked with him. We have that available to us as well where we can experience God in all of his glory and goodness, and we were enemies. We were enemies. That's personal. A personal enemy. Hating or hostile. One who is at war. One who has been alienated and has refused to be reconciled. That's an enemy. You refuse to be reconciled. So how about that? You got someone saying, Hey, can we be cut that out now. Can can you be at peace? Can you be at peace? How about this? I wanna, I wanna be back. I wanna reconcile with you. I wanna be at peace. Let me come on. Let's sign a peace treaty. I'm offering to you. you no, know, I, I quit attacking you. I quit doing all the things I've done. And the other person says, Nope, not gonna do it. I'm gonna just be an enemy still. I don't want to be reconciled to you. I would rather be hostile towards you. If you've ever had that happen, it's very burdensome. It's very painful when someone refuses to reconcile and yet you know I mean, we see that all around us every day now. I mean we've got the the left and the right and the you know the Democrats and the Republicans and the whoever's you know you've got all these different organizations and groups and special interests and all these things, and it's like no one is willing to reconcile. They say we're haters and we're, you know, bigots and this and that, and we say they're whatever we say. And the truth is, both parties need to come to a place where we can say, "Look, how about we just bury the hatchet, so to speak, and not in your chest. You know, I'm going to bury the hatchet somewhere else. You know, uh, how about we just set all that anger and and frustration and disagreement aside, and let's just say." I'm willing to love you and accept you. I don't agree with you, but I'm willing to love you and accept you as you are. And I'm going to continue to pray for you that God will reveal himself to you. And they maybe would say, well, you know, I don't agree with you either, and I think you're wrong, but, you know, that's fine. I, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let it go, and I won't, I won't hate you. <laughs> you know, that would, be, that would be good. And that's possible. It is possible. Love will cover a multitude of sins. But it's got to be a true love. It can't be, it can't be fake stuff. Because if you, say, if you say something fakey to someone, they pick up on it. They can tell where your heart is. But true love is powerful. True love will do something. True love will change people. So when you begin to respond with true love, that agape love that only comes from God being in you, changing you so that you can love people the way that he loves, when you express that kind of love to people, even your worst enemies can be softened by the love of Christ. You know, the, you've all heard the story probably about uh, David Wilkerson going to New York and working with uh, the the gangs, and all that happened, and Nikki Cruz was the, he was like the, the kingpin of the whole deal, you know, and David Wilkerson confronted him one day, and he said, I love you, and he said, he pulled out a Swiss blade, and said, I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces, and he said, Nicky, if you do, every piece is still going to love you. That was able to soften his heart, and he came to Jesus and became part of the whole beginning of the Teen Challenge organization that saw Thousands and thousands and thousands of young people saved and set free from drugs and problems. And, but it came because someone was willing to express agape love, a love that's willing to sacrifice everything and die if necessary. If we begin to love like we're supposed to, God could use us in ways that I think would astound you and shock you. Let's don't refuse to be reconciled. Let's don't be enemies. Let's be quick to reconcile. Be quick to reconcile. You can hang on to your problems. You have a right. You know, sometimes people do you wrong, and you're, in your mind you're thinking, you know, they did me wrong, and I, I have a right to be mad at them. I have a right to, you know, well, that's true. But you're going to be miserable. How about you choose to reconcile instead of choose to be right? Choose to reconcile. If you do that, then you won't be enemies anymore. And when you do your part, God can be free to do his part and the other person as well. But when you don't do your part, it makes it really hard for the other person to get free. Unforgiveness is a powerful force. We need to learn to be quick to reconcile So we were enemies in our mind. That is our disposition. That's our way of thinking. It's it's a a natural or an acquired habit or feeling. It's a tendency in a person or a thing. It's a manner of thinking. Our understanding, our attitude or our imagination or our fantasizing. That's kind of scary. So when you talk about your mind, you're talking about not only the things that you understand and know, but you're talking about your imaginations, your fantasizing, all the things, you know, your your daydreams, the things that your mind does when you're not really monitoring it very closely. Sometimes it gets off on its own tangent, you know, it's kind of like, whoa, come back over here, you know, come back. It's like an out-of-body experience. I, I know I'm not the only person that does this, but I'll be praying, you know, I man, we're really worshiping, praying, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm chasing butterflies or something in my mind. It's like, what? how would that happen? You know, and I, I come back, you know. But that's the way our minds are. That's why we have to, we have to bring those thoughts into captivity. We have to be disciplined. We have to be vigilant. You can't just assume it's all going to be hunky dory. You have to, you have to apply yourself, discipline your mind, bring your imaginations and your thoughts back in. It's a natural or acquired habit, feeling, or characteristic. It can be natural or it can be acquired. I don't want the natural form of it. I want the acquired form. I want the form that's renewed. I want my mind to be renewed so that it is becoming like Jesus, and I'm beginning to bring all those thoughts into captivity. My old patterns of thinking, the natural way that I acquired them, you know, when I grew up and people said things to you that hurt you and that's the way you respond when someone says something to you now you know little kids you know hey and then, hey you know back and forth that that's the way we tend to respond to each other that's our natural response you ever play that game you know see who can hit the softest you know, you go first <laughs> yeah i mean that's you know you learn all those kind of behaviors you know and so we want to be renewed in our minds so that we think differently. We're not thinking the way that we learned to think. We're thinking the way we are learning to think now because we've been redeemed and restored. We have to constantly be vigilant about that sort of thing or you're just going to stay the same. And I don't want to be the same. I want to be changed. It says, You were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Wicked is evil, morally bad or wrong, worthless, vicious, pressed and harassed by labors, full of annoyances and hardships, bringing toils. Sounds like the wages of sin to me. Bringing toils. You are pressed and harassed by annoyances and toils. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. I mean, he is wicked, and he wants to bring wickedness into your life. He wants to keep you pressed and harassed with labor, just keep you down. And every time you try to get up, he wants to put his foot back on you and put you back down again. And you need to begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. You have been set free. You have authority and power over all the power of the enemy. But if you don't realize that, don't recognize that, and you're not operating in that knowledge, then you're going to be getting knocked back down all the time, and he's going to be putting that harassment and annoyance and toil in your life all the time, every day. I don't want to show hands, but how many of you, you know, on a daily basis, you just feel like, man, you know, this is, this is hard. You know, my life is just hard. All these things, I I can barely get it all done. Let me make a suggestion. That's not God that's, uh, that's putting all that toil on you. It's basically, there's two sources. It's you and your natural flesh, and it's the devil. And either one of those is wrong because we ought to be walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. And we ought to be ruling and reigning over The enemy not letting him rule and reign over us. And so, if if you feel like you are pressed and harassed and annoyed and toiling all the time, man, you better get some relief. And it's not in rollades or anything else. You know, it's it's in Jesus. Relief is in Jesus. If you don't want to be pressed and harassed and toiling all the time, seek the Lord, and ask Him. Say, what what's the cause of all this? Why is this happening? And he'll begin to reveal things to you. And you'd be surprised. Maybe when you begin to deal with some bitterness or you're, you're some jealousy or pride or unforgiveness, you begin to deal with that and repent from that and get healed of that, then all of a sudden that harassment will just stop. Those annoyances may just go away. Those toils won't be toils anymore. They'll be joys. You'll be liking what you do. Yeah. I like changing poopy diapers. Hmm, yeah. You Mother's Day out people, you know what I mean? You get, that, you get excited about that. That's what I like. Man, changing a diaper, yeah. It, you know, I'm making a joke about it, but it's really true. You can, either, you can either enjoy what you do or you can be miserable in what you do. And I think you have control because God is good and God wants to bring good into our lives in every part of our lives. So we were enemies in our mind by wicked works. Works are acts or deeds, something that people do or cause to happen. It's an occupation. Man, did you have an occupation of wicked works? (laughs) I think I did. That was my occupation before I was born again. I mean, that's what I did. I'm bad. I mean, I wasn't bad 24-7, but... Probably like 21-4, you know, I don't know. I was, I was bad. I was, that didn't count. Uh, so, but I was, I was wicked. And I had works that, uh, that proved it. My actions and my deeds were not good. They were not righteous. They were not right. So the works, it's an occupation or an undertaking. An action or a task Labor or toil. So you got your, your wickedness, which is bringing these toils into your life. And then you got the works, which is the toil. So you got them both going on. I mean, you're getting the double, double dipping. You know, you're getting it both ways. So the Lord wants to set you free of all that. And he wants us to not be walking in wicked works. And it says that now, now, just now, at this very moment, now he has reconciled you. So the very moment you come to Jesus, at that very moment, now he has reconciled you. And so those wicked works are no longer to be dominating your life anymore. Those wicked works are supposed to stop. So I'm curious about people who come to Jesus and they just live like the devil for the rest of their life. I mean, what's going on with that? God didn't save you so you could just go on being the way you were. He wants you to be set free from those wicked works. That's why he's reconciled you. He doesn't want you to be the same way. He wants you to be different. He saved us from our sins. He didn't save us so we could just continue in our sins. He's reconciled. That means to restore someone to favorable or friendly relations with another after a presumed wrong. And it's not a one-sided thing. It brings us into right standing with God And then God brings us into right standing with people. That's what being reconciled is all about. It gives us the ability to be reconciled to him and to people. I don't like it. I don't like it when Christians grumble and complain. And I'm guilty myself sometimes, I freely admit, especially when I start talking about politics. I get get bent out of shape over that. My voice gets louder, my throat gets a little veiny and red in the face, and, you know, it's not pretty. But God wants to redeem that in me. He wants to change that in me. It's not okay for me to just say, well, that's just the way I am. That's just how I am. Baloney. That's how I was. God wants to change me. He has reconciled me, and he wants to take away all that natural... An ugly response, and he wants to make it a reconciled response, a response that can love people, serve people, and be humble. Worship team, y'all can come back. So, I'm uh, I'm really excited about the fact that that God has made this way, and it is so thorough. And I'm, you know, I've been at this a while, and yet I'm learning all the time more and more and more about how thorough God's redemption and reconciliation is in my life and the things that he wants to do and the way he wants to work in me and, and through me and for me. And, you know, I need, to, I need to take full advantage of that. I need to be learning all the time because we're never going to learn at all. But why would you want to take less than the very best? If God is saying, I've got everything to give you, why would you want to say, well, I'll just take this right here. This is enough. He's given us everything. All things. He's freely given us all things. Why would you want to just take one little thing and say, I'm good. That's all I need. Like the movie the jerk, you know. That's all I need. All I need is this chair, you know. Well, that's all I need. Is it you know this lamp you know that's all i need well you need it all you don't just need to pick a few things that are that are to your liking how about you you say i'm in i'm all in give it all to me change me make me whole make me like you want me to be like i need to be so that i can be who i'm supposed to be in the kingdom amen let's stand in worship you I'm so glad that my chains are gone. Amen. If you happen to be listening from wherever you are today, and maybe you're still in bondage, maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today could be the day.
2: Yes.
0: Today is the day that you could say, Lord, I want to be free. I don't understand everything that these crazy people are talking about, but I want it. I want it all. And if that's you, then it's easy as this. Just say, Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. I I am separated from you. And I need you. Forgive me. <clears throat> Come and live in my heart. Be my Lord. If You pray that prayer. The Bible says that you're born again. If you're born again, then your life is brand new. You're starting over. Old things are passed away, and all things are becoming new. You, and Jesus. you are a new creation. Hallelujah. If you prayed that, send us a note so we can follow up with you. And for the rest of it, if you got any special <laughs> prayer requests, anything that you'd like to have someone pray with you over lay hands on you for you can come we'll meet you at the altar as we worship just allow God to continue to speak to you grab a hold of that truth that we've been set free Amen. our chains are gone Thank you, Jesus. And if you choose to walk around with chains on that's your choice if you want to be free there is freedom in Christ Amen. he has made a way for you to be set free in Jesus name take this word and seal it in our hearts that we would know we don't have to be enemies and separated from you anymore we don't have to be hostile there is no hostility because you have made peace with the blood of your cross you have reconciled all things you have brought us back to that former relationship Lord where we can walk with you and know you be at peace with you thank you for that Lord Help us to learn this. Let it become a part of our thinking every day that we would see who we are, who you are, and what you've done. We rejoice in that. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Have a great week. Uh, Women, You got this meeting in a little while. Everybody else, don't forget, Wednesday night, we've got our regular activities, and look forward to seeing you then. God bless you.